Hi, this is the podcast channel of Lighthouse Church in Ottawa, Canada. We are a family. We don't do life alone. We are about the one, each and every one. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Our hope and prayer is always for life change. Here is today's message. Be blessed as you listen. Today we talk about the faith of Abraham, part two. The faith of Abraham, part number two. Let's be in Romans chapter four. That's, that was our text last week, and we're going to stay there this week as well. Romans chapter four, from verse 16 to 22. The Bible says that, therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed. Okay? All the seed. Not only to those who are of the law, but also those who are of the faith of Abraham. Those who are of the faith of Abraham. That's where we get our title from. Who is the father of us all? As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God. Who is this God? He gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did who contrary to hope in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations. According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a 100 years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. But he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he is also, he was and remains able to perform and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. All right, so last week we started the conversation the first part of our series letters, we started from the book of Romans, obviously, because that's the first letter, the first epistle. And we started from Romans chapter 4, saying that Paul was writing to this church, communicating to them pure doctrine, all right, which is the fact that we are justified by faith and not by works, all right, that righteousness is imputed to us by faith because Abraham, our father, okay, was counted or accounted to be a righteous man by his faith. And therefore, we are of the same faith. As Abraham, our father, I said to us last week that because our spiritual life is our real life and our spiritual life runs on faith because the Bible says that the just shall live by faith. Faith is what we use to live out our spiritual life. Our day-to-day walk with God is done by faith because God is spirit. We can't see him, all right? And faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things that are not yet seen. So if you cannot see God, all right, you need to operate and work with him by faith. I don't know how many of you see God every day, but I don't, all right? The Bible says that by faith, Hebrews chapter 11 from verse 3, by faith we understand, all right, that the things that are seen were made by things that were not yet, that were not seen, all right? So we have to walk with a God who we did not see. We have to walk with him intimately, And faith is what bridges the gap and makes that actually possible. I said to us last week that not only do we live by faith, we also walk by faith and not by sight. So faith is as important to our spirits as our physical eyes are to our physical existence. We walk by faith 
and not by sight. As a matter of fact, one of the symptoms or one of the signs that you're struggling in your spiritual life, and we've talked about this in weeks gone by, is the fact that you become weak in faith. When you are weak in faith in any season, it means that your spiritual life needs a boost, all right? If you are struggling in your faith life, your spiritual life is also struggling because faith is the fuel for our engine, if our engine is a spiritual life. That's all the stuff we talked about last week. When your faith is weak, you can't believe God, you can't act on His Word, and that's just contrary to how we should live as spiritual beings. Praise God. Now, I want to go into... The faith of Abraham part two. Because last week I did say to us that there are many dimensions to faith. And faith helps us to do quite a number of different things. Faith helps, you know, if you read the book of Hebrews where the Bible talks about all the things that people did by faith. Some people inherited, you know, promises. Some people quenched, the, you know, shut the mouth of lions. Some people overcame the violence of fire. All right. Some people received their dead back to life. All kinds of things that were done through the exploits of these, these faith heroes in the Bible. And I said to us that one dimension of Abraham's faith was that Abraham had a faith that inherited or obtained promises. If God made Abraham a promise, he was that guy that would make sure that that promise came. Not make sure, but his faith would ensure that his promise came to pass. He was very, very strong in the area of the faith dimension that helps you to obtain promises. And we run an economy of promises, all right? Everything God would do with us, if he has not said it, he's not committed to it yet. But once you can get God to say it, he has, you know, he has put his stamp on it, his faithfulness, okay, over it, and he has committed himself to what he has said. So many of us need to understand how to hold on to God until we get him to commit himself to something that we are trusting him to do. We are trusting him to do. So the faith that obtains promises. But today I want to talk about another dimension to the faith of Abraham. All right. And next we can move on to something else. Another dimension to the faith of Abraham. And this dimension is the faith that obeys God. A faith that obeys God. And I know that seems very simple. And like, yeah, we are all Christians. We should all obey God. Isn't that what it means to be a Christian? I obey God too. No, no, no. You're going to realize very quickly that it's a different dimension of obedience that Abraham had. The faith that obeys God. Because when we think about faith, naturally, because we are human beings and we have a tendency to be selfish, we think and we want to pursue faith all right, and build our faith life strictly because we want to receive things from God. We want God to do certain things for us. I want God to heal me when I'm sick. I want God to provide money for me. I want God to give me a job that pays me $200,000 a year. I want God to give me, you know, children. I want God to make sure that my family is safe and everything. We use faith to obtain something from God. And that's perfectly fine because Abraham did that. He obtained a promise from God, all right? But we don't realize that there is an aspect or a dimension or a manifestation of faith that is just obedience to God. Just obedience to God, not because of any benefit that you want from God, but just because God has said something. Obedience to God. So that's the second dimension of faith that I want us to look at today, of Abraham's faith. When you talk about Abraham and you think about his faith, those are the two things that stand out. He obtained promises and he obeyed God. He lived a life of obedience to God. And you see, the, the faith that obeys is superior to the faith that obtains promises. Because think about it, if you have a child, for example, now 
every child, when they're young, all they want, you come in the door, they're happy to see you, but the first thing they're asking is, Daddy, Daddy, what did you buy for me? Oh, and they're very happy because you, gave, you brought something home for them. That excites them. But you see, as a child starts to grow, as you start to get older, your relationship with your parents change a little bit. You're not waiting for them to come home so they can bring something to the door. You are waiting to serve them. You're waiting to honor them. All right. And so that's the relationship of obedience to God. It's a more superior dimension of faith than the faith that obtained promise. As a matter of fact, one of the reasons why Abraham is considered a father of faith is not because of what he obtained from God, it's because of how he obeyed God. So if you want to ever find yourself in that faith hall of fame, when you read Hebrews chapter 1, the Bible says that by faith, Abel, no, well, by faith, we understand first, and then by faith, Abel, then by faith, Noah, by faith, Enoch, by faith, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, then by faith, Sarah, then all these, by faith, Moses, all these people that the Bible writes about, Samson, Barak, Samuel, understand that if you want to find yourself in the faith hall of fame, you must have the faith that obeys God. It is a faith that is superior to every other dimension of faith because it's one that is not seeking to receive something from God. It's just seeking to do what God has asked you to do. The faith that obeys. And I said this to us, you know, over the past few months, that if we're going to be a house that raises children of God, that raises not just believers, but disciples, we must migrate from a selfish Christianity to a Christianity that understands that sometimes God will place a demand on you, whether it's convenient or not. And his expectation is that you obey him. The faith that obeys. And so you see that faith in, in, in Abraham, but you also find that kind of faith in a man called Noah in the Bible. Do you understand that the Bible says God said to a man called Noah, build an ark, give him dimensions, and rain is coming upon the earth. Now, <laughs> this was a very ridiculous directive that God was giving this dude. And the Bible says Noah started to build the ark. He obeyed God, trusting that God was true. And everything that God had asked him to do, he did. He built the ark to dimensions, and he stuck with what God had asked him to do, even though he had never seen rain in his life, even though it made no sense whatsoever on the surface, he obeyed God. He obeyed God. So receiving promises is elementary, all right? God is okay with giving you stuff, but God is looking for those who would listen to what he's saying and who will do it. Obedience is higher level. So let me explain to us in detail Okay, what Abraham did. And I'll read to you Genesis chapter 12 from verse 1 to 4. I'll read quite a few scriptures now, but stay with me because the scriptures are important. Genesis chapter 12 verse 1. The Bible says, now the Lord had said to Abraham. The Lord had said. The Lord had said. All right? To Abraham, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, because him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And verse 4, the Bible says, So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. He left. He obeyed God. And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. He left. And if you jump to Hebrews chapter 11, when the New Testament, Paul, supposed writer of Hebrews, we're not 100% sure, but we suspect that it's Paul, is writing about the faith of Abraham, look at what he says. This is important. Hebrews 11 and verse 8. 
He says, by faith. What did Abraham do by faith? He obeyed. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. He obeyed God when he was called to leave his father's house. And as he went out, not knowing where he was going, but by faith he dwelt in the land of, land of promise, is in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. He never built a house anywhere because he was still waiting for where God would say, now you can stop. So he lived in tents his entire life. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Let me stop there and explain something to you. This is what Abraham did. God said to Abraham, leave your house, leave your father's house, leave your country, all that stuff, to a land that I will show you. So Abraham goes to the, you know, passport or immigration and citizenship office and says, from today, you know, delete my name from the name of the citizens of this country. I no longer belong to this nation. Take your passport back because God said so. Then he goes to his father's house and says, oh, dad, by the way, can you delete my name? from the list of all your children, because guess what? God has said I should leave. Um, and by the way, I'm also going to abandon my inheritance because I'm leaving. I'm getting out of my father's house, of my father's country, of my family. I don't want to have anything to do with you guys anymore. I'm leaving. The sick thing about this is they ask him, so why are you taking these drastic steps in your life? And he says, because God told me, because God had said. Now, I want to ask Abraham when I get to heaven how he got to understand the voice of God. Because there is no, nothing that points to the fact that this guy, I don't know, he had a pagan background, by the way. So God had said. So God must have been speaking to him over time. He was able to discern that this is the voice of the Almighty, of a spirit. And I'm going to obey the spirit. Leave my father's house. Take your passport. Now I have no citizenship. I have no country that I belong to. I'm just going to roam the earth until this God that speaks to me or that spoke to me tells me where to stop. It's ridiculous. But it's the faith of Abraham. It's the faith that obeys. It's the faith that obeys. He left. So by faith, Hebrews 11 and 8 says, by faith, Abraham obeyed. By faith, Abraham obeyed. Do you obey God? And I know it's a simplistic question, but guess what? The Bible considers obedience to be an act of faith, especially when you don't know what's on the other side of the instruction. It's an act of faith as far as God is concerned. As children of God, as people who live a life of faith, part of the dimension of faith that you must manifest, the highest dimension of faith is a faith that obeys God. Not the faith for, you know, to receive the things you're trusting God for, not the faith for you know, your family, not the faith for a new car or material things, not even a faith for God to work miracles through you because sometimes you get spiritual and say, well, I want God to use me, and that's fine. But sometimes what God is really looking for is the kind of faith that Abraham had, which is a faith that obeys. The Bible says, and Abraham departed. He left, left everything, left his family because God said so. Be <laughs> because God said so. Because God said so. That's, that has to be the answer to some of the decisions you make in life. If you haven't had people ask you questions, and the only answer you can offer them, the only singular, is that because God said so, I'm going to question your obedience. Because that means that there are aspects of your life that you have abandoned the instructions of God. There are things you will do 
that from a natural standpoint, people around you would say, why are you doing that? Why are you living in that city? Why are you, you know, going to this place? Why do you do the things you do? And your simple answer should be, because God said so. Because that's the, that's the only answer Abraham could have given in this case. There was no logical reason for him to do what he did. There was no commonsensical dimension. It made no sense. No analyst, no economist would have told you, Abandon your inheritance, leave your entire family in a time, by the way, where family was all that you had. They were big on family, and he left because God said so. If there's any hashtag for this week, that's the hashtag for this week. You need to let somebody know because God, because God had said so, that's the reason why I'm doing the things that I do. You're going to have people ask you questions if you're obeying God, if you're walking in faith. Why are you doing it? It's simple. The answer is because God said so. Let's, let's, let's migrate. Let's move further in Genesis. Abraham leaves and all that, and God gives him a promise that you will have a son. He's 75 years old, by the way, and he waits 25 years for the actualization of this promise. Eventually, in Genesis chapter 21, the Bible says he has a son, um, the son of promise, after he'd been through hell. He'd been through so much, through thick and thin. He'd been trusting God for the promise. He's been waiting upon this promise, and God is true. Genesis 21, verse 1, the Bible says, The Lord visited Sarah, had he had spoken. The Lord did unto her, and he had promised. God is faithful. God gives him a child. God gives him a son. Now, Genesis chapter 22 and verse 1. I read this to you again. Pay attention. The Bible says, Now it came to pass, after these things, that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. And there you would offer him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. The Bible says, so Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he went to the place that God had told him. This is insane because God gave him a promise. Stay with me because this is important. God said to him, I'll give you a son. And he waits 25 years to see the promise come to pass. His entire life, he spent waiting for the promise. And so he had a faith that obtains promises. And then here you are, you have the promise of God in your hands. You've just given your testimony in church. You've just danced forward and you've told everyone, look at the amazing thing that the Lord has done. He gave me a son, a son, a son in my old age. The people came to visit his house and said, wow, see what the Lord has done for you. Oh, the God of Abraham would also give me a son. And then the next thing you know, Bible says, God says to him, take your son. Now he doesn't make it vague at all. Your only son, who? Isaac, whom you love, and go and sacrifice him. Sacrifice him? What? That means cut his neck, spill his blood. It's gory, but I know that's what. That's exactly what. The, cut his neck, cut his neck, spill his blood on an altar and burn him up. Sacrifice him as a burnt offering. Burnt. Imagine going to, like, it's different. You say you have to go kill your child, okay? But not just your child. The one that you waited 25 years. You are 100 years old when this child was born. And not only the one that was born at 100 years old, the one on whom the entire covenant of God 
all the promises of God that he gave you are tied to this one thing, which is your son Isaac. And God says, not just should you kill him, because you can kill him and just close your eyes and run away. You don't have to see it all. But he says, as a burnt offering. That's like the time where I tell God, time out God. Are you, are you kidding me right now? Are you really serious right now? Because that's, that's what I want you to do. And Abraham is an amazing guy because the Bible says that Abraham rose early in the morning. Now, that's the kind of instruction that you wait months to obey God. Have you ever, I've been there before where God asks something of me and I take my time. And I, I do it under the guise of I'm trusting God for more direction. I know exactly what God is trying to say, but I'm trying to buy time because I really don't want to do what God is asking me to do. So I say, God, I'm just waiting for direction. You start fake praying every day. Oh, God, lead me. And God says, I've already led you. <laughs> I've told you what you ought to do. He rose early in the morning and took his son. Didn't tell his wife because she would have said, you are nuts. You and this God again, let's go and kill him. And sacrifice him. And he goes to the place. And God doesn't even tell him. He says, go to Moriah on the mountain that I will show you. So you're here wandering around. You've taken your son. You've taken your servants. They're asking you, uh, what are you? I'm sure the servants probably thought the man was going to sacrifice one of them. But he says, no, it's your son Isaac. The one whom you love. And so in Hebrews chapter 11 again, verse 17 to 19, when Paul, or the writer of Hebrews, is talking about this particular experience of Abraham. He says that by faith, what did Abraham do? When he was tested, he offered Isaac. He obeyed. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called. All the promises that God has ever given you is tied to this guy. And God says, give him to me. This is like, it's like praying, maybe you've been jobless for 10 years. You couldn't find a job. You're a graduate. For 10 years, you couldn't find a job. And you've been doing odd jobs. And eventually, God blesses you with a fantastic job to compensate for all your suffering. You get your offer letter, it's $200,000 a year. There's a 30% bonus, stock options, paid vacations, fantastic stuff. Housing allowance. It's, I mean, fantastic job offer. And then two weeks into the job, God comes to you and says, I want you to quit that job and come and do something else for me. That's not the same, but Abraham had it even worse. I'm sure a lot of us would be like, I reject it. God forbid I rebuke the devil, but it wasn't the devil at all. It was God because the Bible says that God, and you know what's funny is that this particular incident is, it's an escalation on the first thing that God had asked him to do. Because the first time God said, leave your father's house and all that difficult, but at least not as difficult as this. Not only that, the first instance, God gave him a promise and I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing and all that. This time, no blessing, no promise. Just go do what I asked you to do. And the Bible says that it was a test. And so when you talk about those that had great faith in the Bible, Abraham is the father. Because at the end of the day, 
his obedience to God was absolute. There was nothing that God could ask Abraham to do that he would say no. And the question I have for you is, what is your obedience? Like, if God would ask you to do something that was extremely hard to do, would you do it? Because the Bible records that as an act of faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Abraham, when he was tested, when he was, he offered up Isaac, the one who was the conduit, the pipeline to his generations of blessings. He had sent Ishmael away. No consultation with God, no arguments. He just goes. So the faith of Abraham is radical. It's childlike. It's insane. That's what we can call it. It's, 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 makes no sense the faith of abraham obeys the last instruction because he could have told god god have you forgotten that this is the son of promise have you forgotten that you said to me that this is the one who would carry the covenant and the blessings will flow through him he obeys the last instruction so god said to you do this and you're doing it and when you're in the middle of that and you're just starting to see results god says to you do something else abraham says yes sir i follow the last instruction i'm going the faith of Abraham does not waver. He, have, he had, okay, and you will have moments of doubt, but not seasons of doubt. It's important. Because Abraham had moments of wavering, but not seasons of wavering. There were days when he asked God, God, how will this happen? But the Bible says that he wavered not at the promise. The faith of Abraham obeys fast, quickly. Some of us, you're so struggling in your mind with decisions that God has, you know, things that God has asked you to do. Obey fast. The faith of Abraham is speedy, quick to obey. All he needs is that God said so. The faith of Abraham waits. The faith of Abraham is progressive. It grows. The good news is this. I have good news and bad news. The good news is this, that God is faithful. That's the good news. God is a faithful God. Uh, the Bible says that God is not unjust. He is faithful. The bad news is that your faith will be tested, maybe not to the level that it was tested for Abraham, but it will be, God will test you with something that will be difficult for you to obey. If he, if he hasn't done it yet, it's because you're not hearing him. He will test you with something that is difficult and that you hold dear to your heart because he wants to see, is it him or is it you? But you know what? Ultimately, you would find out that the faith of Abraham was really about the word of God. He obtained promises, he obeyed God. But the, the common factor was that God was speaking to him. That God was speaking to him. So really his life, the life of Abraham is a testimony of a relationship, of a positive relationship or an exemplary relationship with the word of God. For some of us, really, we cannot obey God because we don't even hear God. Not because God is not speaking. We don't even hear him. Or you're still trying to figure out, was that God? Was that my mind? Or was it outright the devil? Because this one, kill my only son, would have fallen, you know, clearly been in the devil category for most of us. The Bible says he obeyed, rose early in the morning, and he went forward. 
There are many tests that we have failed because God asks us to do something. You've trained for a doctor. You spent nine years, ten years trained to be a doctor. And God says, I want you to do ministry. How does that make sense? Well, that's what he wants you to do. What do you do there? Do you obey? You've spent your whole life building one thing and God says, I need you to go in another direction. Would you obey? You spent five years dating this person and you're planning to marry him or her and then God says, no, not him, not her. And guess what? God doesn't even offer you an explanation. He just tells you no sometimes. And you know he said no. Do you rationalize? Or do, would you be recorded as one of those that had the faith of Abraham? Not just a faith that receives from God or takes things when they need it or goes before God to ask for certain things, but the faith that obeys. Simple. Because God said so. That's all that matters. People ask all the time, why are you pastoring a church in Ottawa? Oh, I have only one answer because there is no logical reason for me to pastor a church in Ottawa because God said so. It's that simple. For me anyways, you go figure out the rest of it. But I'm not accountable to you. I'm accountable to God. And so you need to start having those because God said so moments in your life where you know that logically this makes no sense. No Harvard grad in their right mind would do the kind of thing that you're about to do because on the face of it, this is insane. But there, there is someone who's wiser than every Harvard grad and he's a faithful God. He doesn't call you to punish you. He doesn't call you to take from you. He calls to make you greater and better. So if God ever places a demand on your life, understand that it's because he has something better for you. He might not say it at the time because he's testing your heart, but he has something better for you. Sometimes God would intentionally not say the reason why, and you would only see it after you've obeyed. And that's exactly what happened to Abraham. Only after he tried to kill his son, and the Bible says God spoke from heaven and said, nope, hold it right now. Now I know that you fear the Lord and God gave him a sworn blessing. God said, by myself, I have sworn. Now, the, the covenant, maybe, maybe it was reversible before that point. But from the moment that he demonstrated the highest level of faith, which is the faith that obeys God, God said, I have sworn by myself. No man can reverse this, that in you, in greatness, I would make you great. Because... God said so. It's a good enough reason. For you, it has to be a good enough reason. His entire life was a testimony of a relationship with the Word of God. And I talked to you about this last week and I repeat this week that your relationship with the Holy Spirit is everything because for some of us, we need to be clear that God has spoken to us. No guesswork. No negotiation. If God said it, I'm gone. There's no promise attached it's just go and it's go. So you need to perfect how you hear God. You need to perfect the hearing of His voice. And you need to obey. It's simple. That's, those are the two things I'm going to ask of you this week. Perfect, hone your skills on how you hear God. Sharpen your spirit to discern the voice of God. Because if God cannot communicate with you, then God cannot test you. And if God cannot test you in that manner then you're, you're, you're limiting yourself in terms of what you can do and how you can walk with God. Perfect the hearing of His voice. Some of us right now, you've heard from God and you have not obeyed the last instruction and you're waiting for another instruction. God will not talk again. He waits until you've done the last thing He talked to you about and then He can give you further direction. 
God said to Abraham, go to a land that I will show, a, a mountain that I will show you. So he had to show up first in Moriah. And then God said, now this is the mountain I want you to go on. Do not expect God to give you all the details. Sometimes it's vague. All you have is the conviction in your heart. All right. The spirit, the inward witness that this is what God would have you do in this season. The faith of Abraham, our spiritual life is lived by faith. Our spiritual life, we walk by faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, you are spiritually bankrupt. And there's nothing to trade with. There's nothing to trade with. So my challenge to you this week is hear God's voice and obey the instructions that he gives you. Difficult, but obey. Because God said so. And for someone right now who's listening, who's watching, what God is saying to you in this season and this very moment is give me your heart. I want all of you. You've been dilly-dallying. You've been one leg in, one leg out. You've been hot. You've been cold. Or you've been totally out. Or you've been playing church. You're religious, but you're not spiritual. And God is saying, all of, all of you, that's all I want. All. Not half. Not 35. Not 75. Not 85. Not even 95. I want everything. And you need to make a decision today that you're going to give him all of you. Wherever you are, just make a decision right now. Jesus is calling. He's knocking upon the door of your heart. This is a faith that obeys. The Bible says, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man opened the door, I would come into him. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe to our podcast channel. If you want to be a blessing to others, share the message. To stay connected, download our app and follow us on Instagram at Lighthouse Church Ottawa. We love you.